Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of Nightmare Cinema. How is everybody doing today? I'm Fine. okay, thanks. All right. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think John's maybe a little bit hungover. By Not the sound. Massively. <laughs> Quite a bit hungover. Johnny, are you just, okay? The reader still didn't finish yesterday. Oh, yeah, man. I'm all right. I'm, I'm on water. I'm fine. I'm good. With lemon. With lemon. <laughs> so the film that we're going to discuss today was released in 1960. It is based on a novel of the same name by a writer called Robert Block, which in turn was inspired by the real life crimes of Ed Gein. Very loosely. Uh, it's a random fact, and I don't know if you guys know this, but it's the first movie to show a flushing toilet. <laughs> um, so I could talk about box office statistics but I'm not going to there's a difference between a good film like this one and a financially successful film like the mess Marvel have made of the box office over the last decade or so so this one is written by Joseph Stefano and directed by none other than Mr. Alfred Hitchcock and it is of course Psycho so for those who haven't seen Psycho we follow... Just turn this off and leave now if you haven't. <laughs> yes, please do. Sorry, that, that, I'll, or that stay might and I'll tell you what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, we follow a young woman called Marion Crane who basically robs off her boss to fund or give the money to her lover who is going through, it, or he has been divorced and he's paying alimony to his ex wife. Um, she stops off at a motel on the way to visit him called Bates Motel and something very bad happens to her, which we will talk about shortly. So, John, what was your first reaction to this film? When did you actually first see this? Because obviously this is from 1960, oh. so it's like a few years before you were born. Oh, um, Only a few. <laughs> um, years and years. I've seen it. The, f- the first time I watched it, I didn't really understand it because I was only very wee. And I just thought, oh, it's a black and white film. I don't really know what's going on. But mm-hmm. I liked the music. I remember that. I was only about 10. And I remember liking the music and the um, the kind of sound effects and that. Uh, but when I, when I kind of became self-aware with films, I watched it again and I thought, this is just, this is just a lesson in how to do it. It's just... It, it, Hitchcock at his absolute best um, and proceeded to write in depth and detail about it in uni mm-hmm. for um, years to come and I watched it again yesterday and I'd forgotten just how good it is as as a horror film as a psychological thriller as as a, a, a film just a, as a piece of cinema it's just it's so woven and it's so wonderfully done it could be one of about five genres. It's just, mm. it's just fucking so good, so good. <laughs> Where's me sock? So we might as well just skip to the end then and make the vote. Uh, Johnny, what, do, what were your first impressions of this <clears> film? <throat> um, and I, I saw it, and my dad got a big um, box set sort of thing of a load of Hitchcock films. Um, funnily enough, one that, that I don't think I watched that. That was Psycho. So I took upon myself few years ago to watch it um there's two things sort of throughout life that haven't let me down when they've been bigged up um one is the Beatles um and the other is Alfred Hitchcock films um I will say off the back of what John said I I think a lot of people are missing out because they do sit and go especially these days go it's black and white um and it's a bit like with the sort of whole parasite thing when director bongs or someone said um, the subtitles are like a two inch hurdle that is easily overcome. And then you've got access to um, a wonderful, wonderful piece of piece of art. And it's the same with black and white films. Um, It shouldn't put anyone off because they are, they are wonderful. It was actually, I don't remember it being this good because it's, it's just so hyped up. It's massive. It's a, it's a historic piece of cinema. Then you sort of got to, uh, I think the analogy on a football pitch is you play the opponent, not the occasion. Um, so you try and look at look at what's <clears throat> in front of you and just just focus on it as a film and nothing more. Um, forget all the the press, the media and the, the words that that surround it. 
and how it's it's highly praised. And me looking at it last night in that respect, um, I didn't realize the first time what a, an awesome, wonderful film it is from start to finish. Um, leaving out the horror aspect for now, um, because obviously the, the, the there's aspects which which don't through no fault of its own um, sort of work as well on today's audiences. Um, however, I mean even even you look at the things that it does in terms of tone and build up and and stuff like that. And there are films and cinema and films in general have had sixty odd years to improve on that and 99% of them have not they have fallen so far shy of, of that bar uh, so it's a testament to to what the film did um, and it does still work today and it's yeah, brilliant it really does still work today yeah definitely I think the first yeah. time I watched this was probably at my nan's house because we used to watch a lot of Hitchcock films like The Birds is one that stuck in my head and, and this um, obviously like like John said, not really understanding what it was that I was watching fully. Um, because it's, I mean, it's not, I mean, someone, you know, people die, but it's not like excessively gory, like um, Saw or something like that. And it's not like filthy, no one really uses profanity. <laughs> so it was a, it was a sure and safe film, I think, despite its horror themes. Um, and it, it's quickly become in my adult life, one of my very favourite films um, of all time. Um, even even though it is, yeah, absolutely, like we will mention this black and white thing over and over again, even though it is black and white, it's it's such a well-loved film and, you know, purposely done in black and white because Hitchcock wanted to make a really low-budget film for, yeah, for like 100 million. He used his own his, his his kind of secondary crew from his TV work, didn't mm. he? Um, from the yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, if you work for Alfred Hitchcock, you're not exactly going to be shit, are you? Let's <laughs> yeah. face it. Uh, but he used his. He didn't under a million quid, and it made fifty million. In back in them days, that's just that's that's just well, that's just Hitchcock, really. Mm. Hitchcock yeah. magic. Yeah, going back to what you said about the lack of kind of graphic violence. I, I when I was watching it before, I was thinking to myself, imagine if this was done now. Imagine how shit this scene would be. The shower scene, obviously, would be. It'd just be so graphic and so blood splattered everywhere. And it's because it's not graphic, and it's because you, you, you he kind of cuts away and he films tile, tiles and drains and the the curtain rail coming down. And that's that's what makes that scene so iconic. Mm. And her scream, obviously. Um, I don't think she's had to work again since because of that one. Didn't don't think she had to work again because of that one scene. But I mean, it, it, let's. I mean, we're going to talk about the shower scene a little bit later on. So let's talk about how he used cuts and stuff a little bit later. Um, I really, really wanted to talk about, <laughs> funnily enough, the trailer for this film. I don't know if you guys have seen it. No, no. Right. Well, if so, I have, I can't remember it. It's phenomenal. If you've not seen it, you need to see it. So it's not a normal movie trailer where um, you get little snippets from the film. Alfred Hitchcock is stood in the car park of Bates Motel and he explains where he is and he takes you around different parts um, of Bates Motel or or the house um, and sort of like flirt with you a little bit like, oh, is about to tell you what happened there in this scene, but then goes, oh, let's not talk about it for now. Let's move on. And it, it's it's such an entertaining and weird way to advertise um, a horror film. And then at the very, very end, he's in the bathroom where the infamous scene happens. Um, and he pulls the shower curtain back. And rather than it being... Um, Janet Lee, rather than her name was gone, rather than it being Janet Lee, it's the, it's the other lady who played his sister in the film, and I can't think of her name either. Yeah. Um, why? Any any reason? Or was she was Marion Crane? No, I don't know if Marion Crane holiday. Was, well, Marion Crane's scenes had, had finished. Well, Janet Lee's scenes had finished. She only she only records on the film for um, 
three weeks, I think. Um, so she would have been gone, but her sister would have still been available while they were making the the trailer. She would have still been on set and stuff. Um, but do watch it because it's a really, really interesting take on a trailer. Um, and then in the re-release, they sort of re-released it to cinemas a, a while later. The trailers are really similar, but shorter. Um, and we'll come on to the changes that they make later when we talk about the movie's release, because even that was an exceptional thing that they did. Um, so definitely watch those, guys. If you have seen it, then you know what I'm talking about and you probably love it. Um, so we don't normally do this. We don't normally talk about things like foreshadowing in this um, podcast. But I really do want to talk about it because the way that this film is constructed, it is like a piece of art and absolutely everything means something. Even dialogue at the start of the film and the motif of birds right the way through. And even the mentions of like mother and stuff. Um, so I, I don't know, John, you know, when you watch this film and yes. did you notice all of the the references to birds and, and stuff? Obviously, um, Marion Crane, Crane is, is, is a bird, isn't it? I didn't, I, I didn't notice it's so just in, in a kind of classical film study sense until I went to uni mm. and we we got told about what film motifs are. Mm. I did think there was an overuse of bears, but I just thought that was because of his taxidermy thing. Now, when you look at it, it's it's kind of like the the the, the, the film analysis goldmine of how to mm. an, analyze a film because it's all there in this one film, and this is what Hitchcock does better than anyone else. This is why he is arguably the, the best of all time because you can put two or three different motifs and themes in it. But the bird one, I actually was going to mention that today as well. So mm. you've taken me to that. But the bird one is now, as I said, now I've become self-aware with films. It's so prominent. And you kind of think, how did I not notice that back in the mm. back in the day? But it's it's so prominent. He, he even says, there's, there's pictures of them everywhere. There's stuffed birds everywhere. And he even says to her, you eat like a bird. Yeah, I noticed this before. I was just like, "What? What? What's that got to do with anything?" I'm still going to have another watch of it later and try and figure out what the significance is. So for me, it, there's there's a few different things that that represents to me. So if you there are a few scenes, a few uh, shots, sorry, of when they 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 are in the back room and she's eating a, a sandwich, um, and he's watching her, where there is. I don't know if it's like a bird of prey or a really, really big owl that is like over him. Um, and that to me probably represents his mum. But then as I've thought more about it, are all of those stuffed birds representative of his previous victims? Because um, his, his mum, it is sort of hint that is, is also one of his victims. Um, <clears throat> and even so far as, after the infamous shower scene and Norman goes in to see what has happened, he leans against the wall and a picture of a bird falls, which, you know, represents yet another yeah. one, of his, one of his victims. Johnny, what did you think about about the birds? Um, I, uh, did you two watch the Ray Hitchcock film? Or did I just not notice the birds <laughs> in this one? You just didn't notice that. Uh, now, now that you come to now, now that you've said it, there are quite a lot of birds. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't, re I didn't really notice it. I think it's, it's some. I've only seen it a small handful of times, and they're quite spaced out. So maybe it's something uh, on on further viewing. I mean, I was going to say you, you sound like you understand the significance of it, maybe because um, <clears throat> I can't really see a, a a rhyme or reason for there being so many birds i well, mean the, obvi the obvious reason is that he's into taxidermy which is well well yeah well that's that's sort of just uh that's I'm not like hint. yeah i mean it's obviously it's, it's sort of cause and effect isn't it you know the, he's a, ta a taxidermist so there's a lot of stuffed animals around um rather than obviously what sort of we're talking about now which is like the, there's a lot of birds sort of not center screen um mm. that your attention's not drawn to um, like you said, his him mentioning sheets like a bird or, or the pictures of such um, and the, the reasons for that that are mm. made sort of widely apparent to the viewer yeah. and what it yeah. possibly could mean. 
there's a few things that come in, but like Hitch, Hitchcock does in all of his films, he just leaves it up to us. Yeah. He just basically throws it at us and says, "We go and feed on that." For me, I think it's the 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 inability to fly, because um, all of these mm. birds are either stuffed on pictures or trapped, and she's trapped, and that's this is what. Hitchcock did so well. He'd, he'd he'd give you clues all the way through it, but not give you clues. It might just be because he's a bit of a tit, and he just wanted birds everywhere. And he's he's gone. This will throw them because that's <laughs> what he was like. This is this is a filmmaker with complete control over what he what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, An artist, the, the likes of which had never been seen before. If Alfred Hitchcock wanted something, he'd have it in his film, and the studio just go, of course, go for it. <laughs> Do what you want. Especially with this, because no one actually thought it'd do anything the way he kind of pitched it. They were just like, you want to do what with what and what? And then <laughs> he he went and made this really small fucking masterpiece and it pulled, completely pulled it off. Yeah, And he did it in his, his own way as well. And he, he, he say what you will about his personal life and his private life, a bit of a tit and all that. But as a filmmaker, he was just... There isn't there isn't a, a director working at any level today that isn't inspired by this man by this film. That's mm. that's how important this film is, and how important this director is. Kubrick, Cameron, Spielberg, name name a, a name, and they've been inspired by this this man and this film. Absolutely. Another Me. thing. Another thing that struck me when I was watching it, because um, I watched it last night. Um, was how present the idea of mother is from the very, very beginning of the film. The first the first um, scene has Sam talking about, well, he's he being really naughty, actually, being suggestive. Um, but he talks about turning mum's picture to the wall. Like, yeah, yeah, away, yeah. So we can't see. And then even in the next scene, when she goes back to work, the friend that she, the, the person that she works with talks about her mum having called. And even Norman, this is like, when I heard it last night, I was like, how have I never got onto that before? So Norman comes downstairs with his sandwich and his milk or whatever for Marion. And um, Marion's obviously heard uh, mother shouting at Norman because she's, she's not very well. Um, and Norman says, uh, mother, my mother, what is the phrase? She isn't quite herself today. And I just thought, oh my God, how have I never got onto that? Because that is absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, was there anything that jumped out to you? Because obviously we've seen these, seen this film now a lot of times. So was there anything that jumped out to you that you've never noticed before? Because I think this does happen to us as we watch films more and more. For me personally, I every time I watch it, I am more and more impressed with Anthony Perkins. I love the man anyway. I love, I so dearly love him. But he he just owns every. I mean, Janet Lee gets a lot of credit, and rightly so, for that one shower scene. But the whole film belongs to him. He is just mm. something else, and. Because I've not, because you got me into Bates Motel as well, which has its moments, and I really, really didn't mind it. It just made me th- realize just how good uh, is it Freddie Highmore who plays him in that? Yes, just how good yeah. he was because he was he was him ten years ago. It mm-hmm. was it's 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 fabulously done, um, and every time I watch watch this now. He impresses me even more. Anthony Perkins, I mean, he impresses me even more. He just, he's so understated and he uh, yet dominates every scene. Mm. He's, uh, and he just like you. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> but it's true, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's why I stutter to be like Anthony Perkins, if anyone asks. <laughs> um, Maybe it's a clue to your psyche and we should all be a little bit careful. <laughs> But he, he's just he's just fantastic in it. It's it's all director and lead actor knowing what they want together, wanting the same thing together. Anthony Perkins was given license to kind of do what he wanted to a certain extent because you don't have full license when in a Hitchcock film. But he he just did it and he went and did it 
flawlessly and it's he still shows this kind of vulnerability all the way through it while at the same time being this murderous fuck mm. it's, it's 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 timeless it really is i can't i'm running out of superlatives for some of the films <laughs> that we're um, that we're talking about but this one this and the exorcist if i was on a desert island and i had to pick two horror films it would be this and the exorcist okay i'm going to ask you a really really difficult question would you rate this higher than the exorcist or the other way around um i can't answer that um as a film this is better mm-hmm. but as a horror film nothing beats the exorcist okay do you think this this fully qualifies as a horror film it's like john was alluding to before it's it could fit into any 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 number of um of genres um there's even some some quite funny moments of comedy in there as well it just very comes together very well i think it walks the line um very neatly i think it probably i think you probably think it walks the line more so now because it's not intended for for audiences yeah. now it was intended for 1960s audience which it would have been really shocking and that is one of the reasons why he chose to film it in black and white so it wasn't as gory yeah. as it could be in colour um, so yeah but Johnny I, I don't know my times you've seen this was there anything that jumped out to you that you have that you thought was that you'd never noticed sort before of, I've, I've seen it a, a, a few times probably well probably only two or three um, sort of after the initial you, you understand what happens at points A, B, C, and D. Um, <clears throat> so you start to sort of look closely, close at the narrative. Now, um, I'm not a massive uh, historical cinema buff of, of films of that era. Um, a couple of things. It's it's probably my least favourite Hitchcock film, if I'm being dead honest. I, I thought <clears throat> I thought The Birds was scarier. And going back, do you remember what you said? You remember what you what? said? Um, I'm, 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 you're going to have to just stop there because that was just... <laughs> that, that was the, out. one of Let's the most shocking out. things you've ever said. <laughs> it's it's when you when you said a couple of weeks ago um, about sort of modern day slasher films and paranormal things. I mean, this versus the birds, you, you can sort of you can defend or try and defend yourself from a lunatic with a knife, um, even if he's dressed up in women's clothing. Um, but you know anything paranormal, it's sort of on a different. You can't fight it, and then the 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 the, the major dissonation between these two for me is the fact that the psychiatrist at the end, and he just comes. I don't mind it because it's such a good film. He just comes comes out with this. Um, I don't know two or three three paragraphs of just exposition to explain exactly what and the why, and it's sort of in a minute way as possible takes the the sting out of it that exposition thing they 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 needed that in especially in 1960 because you you have to understand the psychopathic films like this weren't about then we know exactly what they're all about now so you don't need that now you you needed an explanation of of it's like the found footage films saying um someone went into the woods and four years later the footage was found you needed that for the first one for it to kind of put it go into people's men- mentality, for, for, he needed to to explain what was wrong with him, to explain what was happening. Otherwise, it's just it has no kind of conclusion. And in 1960s, he needed that closed kind of. I thought he was meant to be an experimental and great cinema creator. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's also a storyteller, and primarily a story. Story, especially in 1960, needed an ending. Yeah, especially for the studios, um, they would not have liked it if he just cut it off. Um, and the what the way some um, not arguments, but like um, people were not sure about that. That what you're talking about? Those last few lines from the psychiatrist. People were not sure about how that was going to land. So I do get what you're saying, but I also think... I don't, I don't mind it because it's such a good film. Um, <clears throat> I also like the psychiatrist that he says, um, I, th- I think her sister said, did he kill my sister? And then he says, yes and no. And then she says, oh, but she is dead. He goes, yeah, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's dead. a little insensitive. Yes that's and no. It's like, oh, where's he going here? 
you know, it's no, just be a, yeah, yeah, in bird form. Um, I, I, I like the way that he explains. I think he explains what's going on in all of his films. I think he, he's he's very big on that. Yeah, because people, I think, I, I, yeah, people want to know whether they what they were thinking all along. Yeah. This right, don't they? It's just it's probably the way it was done. Like films back then were made in a very mm. stagey way, weren't they? Um, There's a, a conclusion all the time. Yeah, I I really didn't think nothing of it when I saw it at all. Uh, I thought it was great. I like it. <laughs> I think it's ace, and then it cuts to the the kind of cell with with his blanket, and then it it kind of goes in on his face, and then I I kind of stood up before when this happens, you know, and I don't know if it's if it's if it's new because I don't remember it on the other one, um, when it kind of zooms in on his face, and then you see his his mum's death. Yeah, that was always cool. there. That. I was just was like cool. this. I don't remember that. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, I want, I want a picture of that up there. I want that, like Norman Bates's face with his mum's face. Yeah, like oh. see that that shocked um, Stefano, the writer, when he went to see it uh, with his family and friends. That shocked him because he didn't know that that was gonna that was gonna happen. Um, so again, it goes back to what was really, really shocking in the in the sixties, I suppose. Like I said, I don't know the way that films were sort of how the narrative worked if it was A to B to C to D in the same way as these days but the way that sort of you, you would call Marion Crane the um, what do you call it the uh, protagonist in the film initially wouldn't you when you watch it you watch the first hour she's the main character and then they sort of bump her off spectacularly and then the whole thing shifts to to Norman and this uh, private investigator and that was something that um, I think I didn't notice the first time so specifically because I was sort of wrapped up in the, the whole psycho thing, the, the whole film, sort of just trying to, you know, unblinkingly stare at it to, to absorb it all mm. um, because you've heard it. It's such an amazing piece of work. There are some differences between the film and, and the novel. Or the, I tried to read the novel and it was shit. I think I got maybe one <laughs> chapter in and it was at the time. Why, why the was time, it shit? Just not very well written, but maybe it was just not very well written by today's standards. Um, I think prose changes really quickly. No, by you try you try reading that book and see what you feel like. I'll wait for the film. So there are actually three novels in the Psycho series. There could be more, but that is the definite three. Anyway, so the differences between the first book, Psycho, and the film is that um, Norman Bates is not a sympathetic character at all. He is a drinker, he swears, he's fat. Can we say fat? Is he me? Don't we, we feel? <laughs> yeah. So he was overweight. Um, and one of the biggest challenges for Stefano, the, the writer of the screenplay, was to try and make Norman a sympathetic sympathetic character when the focus of the film shifts from Marion to Norman. Um, and the way that he did that was that obviously he made him young. He made him a younger guy. Um, and it works so well instantly. Yeah. Um, but he also yeah. took out all of those things like the swearing and the drinking and made him quite <clears throat> a shy guy. Um, <clears throat> although the stuttering was not Stefano's idea or input. Um, he did sort of wonder whether it was something that Hitchcock asked him to do or whether it was just something that he did himself. Um, another um, difference from the book to the movie, and that will bring us on to our next point, is that in the shower scene in the novel, um, Marion Crane, or Mary Crane, as she's called in the book, her head is removed completely. Um, so that was something that they did not want to do in the film. Um, I don't think they would have been able to do that effectively back then anyway. Um, maybe. The, the death the death scenes, obviously, so I didn't realise this, sorry, I didn't realise it was done purposefully in black and white um, for a specific effect. Um, the death scenes look quite charmingly naff, but I don't know if that was the style of the time that was how things were done at the time that's how all sort of death scenes looked or if it, if it was done specifically even more retro if you know what i mean like compared with other death scenes in other films at the time 
That was just how Hitchcock did it. It's just, it, it, I wouldn't say it's of the time. It's just Hitchcockian. Is that even a word? But it, it, yeah, that's I think just, it is. Yeah, that's that's just him. That's just his style. He he was he, he never kind of focused on what was happening, so to speak, like in a front and center, profound, gory way. It was always subtle. Like I said before, the, the tiles, the blood going into the drain, the, the holes on the drain for a, a long time for some reason. Um, a face on the floor, a face on the floor in a really uncomfortable place, uh, position there. I, but you, you just don't care because, yeah, because it's so well done and it's so effectively done. You, you all of its little of the, of the day foibles. foibles. You, just, oh, you just don't jinx. care. Oh, you just, you just don't care. Awkward. David David Lean kind of invented that. I am going to be so boring now. I'm going to give you film history. Um, in his Oliver Twist film, when um, what's that bad man in in, in Oliver Twist? Fagin. Is it Fagin? Yeah. Does he he kills someone or something? Doesn't he? Oh no. And that's, that's someone else. Well, whatever it was in that. Um, this is good film history. Um, instead of showing the death because it was a, it was a universal film, wasn't it? He showed a dog trying to leave, trying to escape, and this dog—I don't know what he did to the fucking dog—but it looks terrified. And that was so much more effective than actually showing it. That's kind of like how y- you portrayed violence then, because the senses—you wouldn't get away with anything with the senses. You're living in a time where if a lady's skirt goes above a knee, she gets shot. So. You, you couldn't put anything on film, so you had to be clever with it. Mm. And Hitchcock and Lean and all of those greats took those to absolutely new levels. And that's what became filmmaking. Like, that's what became allegory and themes and motifs and used throughout the world today by good directors. Shit directors like Eli Roth won't do that. They'll just show the innards falling out of someone because that's filmmaking apparently these days. I curse that man, but I'll believe that for another time. So should we move on to the shower scene itself then? I suppose we've got to, haven't we? We have to, we have to, we have to. One of the most shocking things I've ever seen when I first originally watched this, when she's in the shower and you can barely see the door opening to the bathroom and someone come in just absolutely gave me chills and still does. And it's, it's not even the point where she gets killed. It's the, it's the before bit where someone is there and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I, I like that bit as well. I mean, Janet, Janet Lee even said herself that she was scared to get a shower after filming that scene, even though she filmed it for like seven days. So, I've been bored of it. <laughs> I've been used to it. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's the entire build up to it. The mm. whole the whole thing is just such an iconic piece of cinema now. It's 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 been studied, ripped apart, put back together, remade with badly with Vince Vaughn. Ugh. Um copied, parodied, anything you can imagine this has this has had done to it. And it's still it still stands today. It beats anything that comes out today. The tension is is just unbelievable, and right right up until the bit where he draws the the the, the shower curtain back, you kind of even now knowing what happens, you just go, "Is he going to do this?" Fucking, oh my god! It's 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 it just gets better every. That's <laughs> I wish I did it. <laughs> No, it is a really iconic scene. And, you know, the way that, you know, you've touched on it twice now, where he cuts away and you see, like, the shower the shower head and then you see the tiles and you see the blood going down the drain. And then you see, like, various parts of a, a body, like a stomach or a face or a hand. Or, um, all of that is cut in really quick succession. And it's, it's almost like a stab of the knife, isn't it? It's like each time he's she... Is doing it. It's um. It's oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is doing it. It's like it, it's a it's a. It's the sound effects as well. Those yeah. legendary. That's <laughs> iconic. Everyone knows okay. what that is today, even if they don't yeah. know what it's from, or they should do. Um, obviously, I've seen the film before. We all have. Um, and it still doesn't dawn on me that that's any anyone else but his mother. 
um, even with the face sort of sort of darkened out, mm. um, I I still think it's it's brilliant. Um, it, it doesn't sort of you 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 know that obviously it's him. Um, again, spoilers, but it's at not one moment watching it. Do you do you go? Yeah, that's Norman. You think it's his lunatic mother? Um, yeah. Wow. Hmm. It's it's Vince Vaughn. Yeah, ten times scarier. Yeah. No, I I think that's why they do that thing at the end. The to emphasise that point it's like it isn't Norman it is okay any other thoughts on the shower scene um, just that it's a, it's iconic cinema and will be for the next hundred years I always say on this they'll talk about this for a hundred years people almost have talked about this for a hundred years they're going to talk about it for a hundred years more well they've got like four years, years to go yeah it's like come on it's still closer um... than anything else it obviously just does so much with with while showing so little. Less is more. Less is more. Less was more back then. Um, yes, so th- there were some issues with the sensors around this scene, as you can imagine. Um, in fact, there were sensors, there were issues with the sensors with the bathroom itself because it had a toilet in. So they had to work it into, yeah, I know. They had to work it into the narrative. Um so, and then the writer had to go and talk to the censors about why it was important to keep the toilet in, in the, in the film. Did, for, did, for did he say reason, because it's, because it's part of a bathroom? <laughs> well, that would be the obvious thing, but apparently in films before that, you didn't see toilets and bathrooms, but I've never noticed and I haven't, I don't think I'll go back and I, it. I That is, you, you get a gold star for that, finding out that fact, because that's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. I've, some some people at the, the the census have actually sat down and gone right we can't have any toilets in these yeah see see how difficult it is to make any kind of film in 1960 and alfred hitchcock pulls this out of the bag yeah and he does it in a way that is just fucking perfect as well and again in the in the shower scene where you can see through the curtain and you can see the sort of silhouette of marion's body that is not actually janet lee at that point it is a nude um artist i suppose or someone who poses nudes what are they called life models life models. Born stars uh, no life models okay <laughs> and the censor was watching it with alfred hitchcock and his wife and he stopped the tape <laughs> Party, that is stopped the tape and was like i could see a boob <laughs> i could see a breast <laughs> i could see a breast he said and alfred obviously was like chuffed because you definitely can't he was like okay well we'll just rewind it dear and so he rewinded it and was like did you see a, bo- a breast then and he was like oh no and he went so it's just your dirty mind then isn't it <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, brilliant i was like yes alfred get in um okay i was like yes alfred get in <laughs> alfred. no but i wish i was get in alf lad i wish i was so i just wanted touch on um the characters that we meet so let's start with marion crane what do we think of marion she's she's painted very early on as a bit of a i don't want to say the c word so i'll just say twat she's she's got her heart is in the right place but she does rob loads of money off someone that she's worked for for 10 years heart's not in the right place doesn't she like she get off with, with an engaged fellow and then Rob is her boss? Divorced. Divorced. Oh they want God. they want to start a new life together. It's so so it's, hard. it's 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 especially in 1960 as well. But um, she just wanted to be is that word again? Free. She wanted to fly away. Um, she happened to do something quite bad, and they make a point of saying that she's worked there for ten years, and I trust mm. her. Uh, and um, she she is painted as a bit of a a twat. Which is which I reckon is done on purpose because you want to empathize with Norman. They they want you to empathize with Norman. I don't I do not understand that perspective at all. I don't think she's painted out to be a twat at all. I think she's I think she's very confused. And I think the person that she's in love with probably doesn't love her in the same way. And that does make me feel sorry for her. She's trying to talk about let's have dinner respectfully, and he's on about having sex and turning his mum's picture away. I think there's nothing twatish about her. Yeah, the, she's he, a very desperate woman. I think she's he, he very proved, he, human he, in that respect. He, he, not... he proves that he is 
he is into her, like towards the end when he goes and investigates what's gone on. Yeah, yeah but you, if he didn't care, you can tell he's got, got you can care. tell he's got half an eye on the sister as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it was too little, too late by then, John. She she'd been missing, and it, no, I'm sorry. Didn't you text me the other day? I read. I remember you texting me about Sam the other day. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Just, he is gorgeous. Um, is, was, was he was he meant to go and meet her at the motel, or was it something that? No, she was on the way to his. He didn't even know she was coming. I don't think. All um, oh, right, okay. And she just stopped because do you remember when she gets there? He's like the diner's up there, and she was like, "Oh, am I that close to Fairvale?" Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I think she's she's very human. I mean, she's she's point, doing what what people do. I don't think she's she she comes across a bit arsy because when she's trying to swap in a car, she just wants to get going and stuff. But that's a human reaction when you're being no, tailed yeah. and you, you know I, she, I don't. She rob she robs forty grand off a boss. Yeah, but he's like she he's he's he's, he's, a thing. he's he's rich. Hang on, the person that she robs off actually sexually harassed her in the office. So. Does he? She didn't she rub it off him. She robbed it off, off her boss. What does he? What did he yeah. do? Rob? Because no, he it's doesn't. Because he doesn't take ownership of it. So the man would still owe him the money. So he's he's really disgusting. Like really yeah. and vile. So I, he, I I'm really surprised. That's that John. Really really surprised. Surprised at what? That you think she's a. TWA she robs forty grand. Of course, I think she's a twat. No. Even even if it's for the right reasons, she's still it's still a twatty thing to do. Uh-uh. He he was rich anyway, wasn't he? Yeah, they could afford it. Yeah. It it's like Robin Hood crime, doesn't matter. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> she did she didn't she oh, does she doesn't God. she doesn't deserve to, to be stabbed in the shower. No, she doesn't. If you look at her motives for robbing it, she actually wants to give it to Sam. So he can he's, he's telling her at the start of the film that he's struggling with his finances, paying his his wife, Alamoli. 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 <laughs> Alamoli. And, you know, he's, he hasn't really got a house. He lives in the back room of his store. So she's she's doing what she thinks is right. And she wants to be with this man who's not very nice to her in my eyes. But yes, oh. I'm really surprised. But yeah, kill, so kill the bitch. Why not? <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm not saying she's <clears throat> there to die. It's you just paint yeah. her. Just paint her in a very... It's kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, twatty way. It's not. No one deserves to be met like that in the shower. But I don't understand why why they made her out to be to to do that. Why didn't she just? Why didn't she have savings and she was going to give him a savings? Well, then there's instead? no film, is there? <laughs> <laughs> why well, was Norman Bates a nice bloke? Like then it would have been Forty Towers. No, watch that instead. Why? Why did they have her steal it? That's what I'm saying. Why, why there, then the tension that no she's been being chased. It's like those those scenes with the with the cop following. I think are, are some really good scenes. Where that bit where she's swapping the car, and you talked about you wanted a, a photo print before of um, the, uh, the the scene that shall not be mentioned until a little bit later. I want a photo print of when she just looks back, and then the um, the, uh, the the cop sort of got both both arms like stretched. He's leaning on the car, just staring at her. That's brilliant. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I do I do like it. I just don't. I don't understand why you don't think it was twatty of her to do it. It was twatty, but it's not. You know, she's I, I, again. I don't think it's twatty. I think it's just it is what it is. Yeah, she stole weird. some money because she wants to. Better people have done worse things. Um. So let's move on to Norman. Then, what do we think Weirdos. of Norman? Loved him. Eve. Okay. Fair. No, he's not a twat, despite the fact that he nearly cut someone's head off. Right. Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed. We'll come back to that, John. Really enjoyed the way in which he was uh he was portrayed. Um, I think it's brilliantly acted. As for the character itself, um, there's, there's especially I can only imagine for the time, there's a lot hidden in what initially looks like a two dimensional hotel manager, um, and which sort of flowers like. Um, later on, he, he, I think there's a brilliant, brilliant slow burn um, scene um, when he actually sit, he makes her a, a sandwich um, and he sits down and talks to her, and then you can sort of slowly see throughout their conversation the the sort of the blooming of his true personality and that mask of of sanity sort of slightly just peeling away at the edges. Uh, I think that's something that you don't get a lot. 
in films these days or since um, and it's not exposition it's just a real fleshing out on screen of his mm-hmm. character where you really come to come to realise that he is the, the star and the, the centre point of the film and this is his story it's not a runaway romance elope eloping story um, this 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 is Northern, Norman Bates Northern Bates I almost said Northern Bates <laughs> Uh, this is Northern Bates, and um, this is his story, and he's a lunatic. So John, so, John, I just want to come back to you. You don't like Marion because she robbed $40,000. but I you don't not do, like her. Hold on. But you do like Norman, despite the fact that he dresses up like his mum and murders women. Yes. So why is... Why? Because he doesn't know he's doing that. She made the conscious decision to rob it. Okay. Okay. I don't dislike what happens in the film. It just kind of confuses me a bit. Why didn't they paint her more so we could empathise with her? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a, the fella that she robbed it off is a bit of a twat. But, but you can't empathise her. You've just not seen the part where you can empathise with her for. No, I have. I just don't care. I, I agree with John in, in some small way that she is... She that is, is she's, a really male audience thing to say. That you no, don't care that the man that yeah, but, she is in love with treats her like shit. That is a male thing to but say. But why? why so you keep going back beef. to that, and I don't get it. That's not. That's that's. She, you're, this no, is no, about no. her it decision is. to it rob money. It is a point because you're saying they don't paint her as empathetic. Yes, they do. You just don't care for the reasons why. No, not. Yes, for me to empathise with her, not her. We should all be able to empathise with her for that reason. But. I think it's layered in such a way that obviously they they first and foremost when you first sort of when she does that when she does the theft then it's like and you know obviously the scene where she's swapping in the car because she's nervous and such she's painted the short abrupt but obviously you've got to understand the human side beneath it for these actions so I think she's again she's a layered character and, and there are sort of pos, positive and, and sort of negative aspects that come through on mm-hmm. screen but that's what I said before she's a very human very balanced character. Mm, and it is a sort of moment of like madness because even when she's at the hotel and before she unfortunately dies, she's like, I'm taking the money back. I'm going, I'm going back to Phoenix. So, you know, she does have that realization that what she's done is wrong. There's more I don't to it than that. Well, you're a silly boy. Oh. She wakes up the money, she flushes it down the infamous toilet. <laughs> and then she says to Norman, I've got a long drive back to Phoenix tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed. I don't remember that. Well, there, there you go. Well, suddenly it all makes sense now. Well, I mean, it's well, no, because that makes that makes sense now. Because she's that's the empathy that was lost. I just didn't see it. It was lost. It was well, it was. I just didn't see it because now we, if she's going to go back, that's that's it. That's to be fair, it didn't, it didn't click with me at first, and I remember she was saying, "I'm going back to Phoenix." I just thought that was something that she said. So if they get if if Norman was questioned by police, then you know, they could, he he wouldn't lead them straight. If she said, yeah, I'm just going up here to, to meet my uh, boyfriend, it's just to throw them. Um, and also, I, th- I think they're doing the calculations on the on on the notepad. Um, I, I thought she was just sort of summing up in her head how much she'd spent on the car and then at, at the hotel. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't sort of get the bit where she was going to actually hand the money back. Yeah, she was. That was a plan. Well, it was suggested that it uh, that it was going to be a plan. So John touched on an interesting point earlier, where you know both of these characters are trapped in some way. Obviously, Marion is trapped by a situation, and the fact that she's in love with this god awful yet very handsome man, and Norman is trapped. Is he trapped by his mom, or is he trapped by the motel, or both? I don't think that that Sam's so terrible. He is he's really he's bad. No, I liked him. He was I don't, because of I, it big was, nipples. He was, was bad at the beginning. He was a bit of a tit at the beginning, but I think he he, he was all right. He was no, he had a sense of duty by the time it got to him. And his sister was like, Oh, you were my sister's girlfriend, you'll have to help. And he was like, Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, because he still didn't really take it seriously, did he? Yeah. No. So nice shot though. 
it was a very nice show. <laughs> um, so yeah, Norman is 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 trapped by his his mom or his memory of his mom. But when I was watching it last night, and I don't ever start to think a little bit too deeply in it. You know, when you're tired and your mind just like drifts. Um, whether his mom is actually trapped is one of the trapped characters as well. She's trapped by by Norman himself, or sometimes in Norman. Oh, that's a good one. Though. It I'm going to pretend one. I made that up. Can't because that's just going to go on air. Oh no, she's dead. Sorry. She's dead. She is dead, but her memory is there, isn't she? And her character is there. Yeah, but it's, she's, not, a, it's not a physical thing that can be trapped, is it? It's all in his sort of. Well, yeah. I mean, she's still. She might. She might be dead, but she's still a prisoner, isn't she? Yeah. No her character. Is still I mean, there. yeah, but it's not physically, is it? Yeah, the yeah. bodies in the fucking basement. Yeah, she, yeah, but she's that's not her, is it? She's dead. She's gone. She's nothing. Unless there's a sort of paranormal thing where it's literally he sort of trapped her. Well, her no, because you can't go house. and you can't go and dig someone up and bring them home, can you? That's that's their resting place or whatever it's called. Well, she's, she's, she's uh, all right. You can say a, a body. I know a what you mean, trapped, but, but not really. Yeah. No, her well, character is trapped. She's in the film. The character is in the film. Yeah, but it's yeah, not she, like she, she, that. That's that's him, isn't it? That's all him. No, it's not him. It's his body and his mouth. It's her. It's her character. Yeah, but it's not her, is it? She's dead. It's just his. No, it's her. What, so, <laughs> that's the whole what, point so it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a paranormal thing now. No, no, it's you just need to, you need to stop being ridiculous. No, no. You, get, you know, you do know what point I'm trying to make. Uh, what so and that is a valid point. It is here, it's, it is it's, a character. Her personality was so overwhelming that it's kind of infected him. That's what the entire film is about. Yeah. It's not a paranormal thing, it's a it's a it's a mental thing. She's broken down his 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 defenses and she's taken over his mind. Yeah. That's what the entire no, I understand about. that, but she is as she's physically not trapped, is she? We're going to go around to say holes. Okay. Yeah. No, she's not. And it also, do you know what? It, it made me appreciate, I said this before, it made me appreciate Vera, what's her name? Farminga. Farminga. Mm. Farminga uh, who plays Norma in Bates Motel. Um, who was just how I imagined his mum to be. Um, and watching it now, after watching Bates Motel, um, it works so much better. Because I just saw, yeah, I could see that happening with him. It, it was fantastic. So I don't know if you noticed this when you were fit, when you watched this again. I certainly only noticed it last night. When Norman comes in at the very end in his garb, he actually says, I'm Norma Bates. Do you, did you pick up on that? Or was it just my fucking tired mind? I, I need to rewatch it, but to double yeah, check. Yeah, I, I said so though, I know. Um, but yeah, I'm convinced that's what I thought I heard. And I was like, oh, very weird. Very weird. Um, it works. Though. It massively works. Mm. I, I, t- to not pick up on that for all the years that I've watched it is yeah. very strange. <clears throat> okay, so I just want to move on to the end as that is the time, unfortunately. So um, we'll talk about the, the revelation first. Um, Johnny, let's start with you. What did you think the first time you saw that, the the revelation that, you know, Norman Bates is Mrs. Bates? I think they they hide it really well. I think it is a twist. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about conclusions to films um, both before, specifically on this one, specifically the, the, the bit right at the end, but talking about how hard it is in recent weeks to get a horror film right mm. like with the witch last weekend and paranormal activity and Blair Witch and stuff like that this is is perfect because it's a twist that that works it makes sense it sends you back in your mind's eye to all the bits that you went oh well that makes sense now that makes sense now um and also the the bit the poignant bit for me when when they go down when he goes or she goes down rather in the fruit cellar um I think not specifically the bit where he turns around the dear old mom um and she's dead um which has been parodied to the to the death um time and time again um it's the bit where he like you said he says i'm norma bates and he just bursts in the room that's fucking scary because it's a bloke <laughs> that has been so so sort of like blinkered normal 
almost like you say two two dimensional when you first meet him, stuttering. He's meek, and then he just fucking burst in with this knife and this enormous fucking grin. John, what about yourself? Well, I I knew what was going to happen before I watched it, and in many ways, I feel very very robbed of the moment. The same thing happened to me with Fight Club. Um, someone I will never fucking forgive him told me the ending of that, and um. I kind of when it when when these endings happened, I was just like, imagine if I didn't know that, and it it's it's just frustrating. Even knowing, it's still absolutely brilliant because it's got the rewatchability factor in spades. But I always thought to myself, imagine not knowing, like, and then this happens, and it would would just be the best, one of the best cinematic feelings ever. Mm. It's one of the best endings if not the best ending ever it's 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 just the benchmark of of climactic cinema not like that um and the exposition at the end for me adds to it just to, just makes it all bundles it all up and presents it to you as 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 I wanted to and then after that it goes on into Anthony Perkins alone and you see just the effect that all this has had on him yeah. it's it's just masterful in every way so yeah I absolutely agree with everything that he's saying the ending so even I remember watching the first time and thinking you know obviously she turns turns the old lady around and it's a dead woman and then she smacks the light the most unnatural thing ever um, and then the light dances around and it makes it look like she's laughing or her eyes are moving or something. And then she's obviously screamed and he comes in. And at first, I did not even realise that it was Norman Bates, um, despite it looking like a man in it. I just didn't connect it straight away. And it wasn't until Sam like tackles him um, and pulls him down to, to the ground. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's Norman. Like, I, I remember that click in my head. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so, even that is so well done. It's like, you, you, you must have been sat there going, who's that? Who's that? And then it, you see Norman in his in his, in his his crisp shirt and his, mm. in his pants. And he's like, and you think, oh my fucking God. Mm. Oh, just to experience that once would have been amazing. I know. And then, yeah, going through the exposition didn't bother me at all. I'd love the the one of the last little bits where you go into the cell with Norman Bates and they give him a blanket, which to me was like the police are not, despite all the things that have happened, they're not actually being horrible with him. Like they want to look yeah. after him. I think they get that he's a sick person. And then that monologue that the mum has is creepy as fuck. Um, and her voice is amazing. And I think she voiced the, in the sequels as well as his mum. Um, and then we have the final, final shot of the car being dragged out of the swamp, which mm. takes us right back to, to Maddie and Craney to not let us forget that this is where the film started and it's this is where it's going to end as well, like with Marion in the boot. Um, all in all, a very good ending. Are you ready, guys, to cast your vote? Yes. I think I know how this is going to go. Here, <laughs> yeah. Johnny Cameron... Yes, is a fine piece of nightmare cinema, undoubtedly. <laughs> John Dunn. It's on the same shelf as The Exorcist, possibly a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. It's a benchmark and all the way, nightmare cinema, all the way. Yeah, I agree with it being on the same shelf as The Exorcist. Definitely nightmare cinema for me. And for all of us, makes a change. And so for nice. the whole world. And for, How yeah. do we still manage to argue about that? We all agree. God knows. God knows. <laughs> God knows. So, um, who's saying is it next week? John Dunn, it's yours, isn't Moi. it? Are you going to have, have a, clue. a clue? Oh, have, have you prepared one? Well, well done. Yeah, I have, yeah. It's a John Carpenter film that isn't the thing. <gasps> oh, God, I shat myself then. I hate the thing. I was nervous. Okay. Um, thank you so much for li- listening, everybody. Um, just a reminder, we're not going to be around next week, but we will be the week after as we are now releasing our episodes on a fortnightly basis. So make sure you check in in two weeks' time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Ta-ta. Bye. Ta-ta.